Happy Thursday. Welcome you to NSN Daily. Chris Murray, Alex Margulies, Anthony Resnick uh, running the show behind the scenes. I'm Brian Samudio. Big show for you today. Brandon Bray is going to join us here in just a minute. Uh, Murray's mailbag. The GOAT Challenge has wrapped up, and it's really not a surprise to me who uh, walked away from this. A couple of commitments for Nevada basketball on the men's side and the women's side. Getting right to it. Alex, the weather looks beautiful up there. You've already been able to conduct some interviews. Yeah, another beautiful day up here at the lake. Uh, it's, it's still kind of striking how quiet it is around here. Uh, it feels like just kind of a normal day at the golf course. Uh, you know, the guys are out here. The celebrities are really excited uh, to be here. Like you said, we've talked to a few of them. Uh, talked to Mike Vrabel this morning. We'll have that uh, for you guys tomorrow. And uh, looking forward to catching up with some other people as well. But, uh, yeah, like you said, people are staying safe. They're staying uh, away from each other. And, and um you know, that was something Mike Vrabel talked about is, is when he was invited back here, he wanted to make sure it was going to be in a safe environment. And he feels like they've done a lot uh, to make sure that that is the case uh, for the players. But we talked to uh, Jonathan Thomas yesterday. He's the uh, CEO of American Century Investments. And it's been a huge part of this tournament for a very long time. And there was a lot of discussion. Is this tournament going to continue? Can they, can they make it work this year amidst the pandemic? We talked to him about how they were able to pull this off with NBC and with South Lake Tahoe and just how excited he is to be back here this year. First off, uh, welcome back. How great is it to be here? This is amazing. It was um, touch and go, uh, obviously for a while and things kept becoming more and more restrictive, but we really wanted to do this. Uh, we watched uh, the PGA do this successfully and um, really focused on making sure it's safe for the players. So I think we're here, we're ready to go. How difficult was it to get this going and to actually get to where you are today? Um, you know, it's, honestly, it was like having an entirely new golf tournament. We've been working with C uh, NBC on this for decades, literally. And we have a really good rhythm worked out. And coming out here and as elaborate as it is and as complex as it is with all the moving parts, it, it happened very seamlessly. So we're doing the same thing every year. Uh, this year, every single element of the event is different, and so it was like making up a tournament from scratch. And on top of that, we were making it up uh, on shifting sands. Uh, every day, there would be new news and new rules that came out that we had to accommodate. Just talk about all the different parties that it took to get this tournament off the ground this year. Well, you know, it, the, uh, Lake Tahoe is always plays an incredible role in all of this. Um, the Chamber of Commerce here, the LTVA, Harrah's, the city, uh, NBC could not have been better. Uh, they were incredibly flexible. They brought a lot of resources to bear to make this happen. And then, of course, you have the celebrities. You know, you, it's you know, at the end of the day, this is about them. It's about entertaining our viewers. Um, but you know, we ended up restricting the number of celebrities from the previous years. We're down to the mid 70s from what would have normally been 90. Uh, but they were all eager to come. They were eager to show up. Uh, we obviously could have had more, but they felt really comfortable with all the safety measures we've put in place. You sitting here in masks understand that. And uh, we're really proud about who's showing up this year. How important was it for you to keep this tournament going and not take a year off? Yeah, so we, we really had three choices. Uh, one of them was immediately eliminated, which was do what we normally do. And then it came down to do a very scaled back version without, you know, fans, without clients, without uh, just, uh, you know, hundreds or thousands of people that would normally be here or just do reruns. Uh, and that's what we came down to, or as they call it, an encore performance. Um, in the end, you know, 
the American public, I think, is dying for competitive sports. Um, it's a great opportunity for, tell us, uh, for us to tell our story. You know that we drive more than 40% of our profits each year to uh, medical research to find cures for cancer and, non, uh, and other uh, uh, forms of gene-based uh, diseases. And so getting out here, having the athletes so eager to show up, and having a public that's looking to watch competitive sports, uh, and, and the athletes. You know, I talked to a lot of them about coming out and said, would you come? And, and the number one answer I got was, I need to compete. I need to get out and compete. So they're eager to be here as well. I mean, in some ways, you might actually have a, an even bigger audience for this this year because there's so many people at home. How excited are you to be able to showcase this golf tournament, maybe to more people than ever? Yeah, that's the expectation. So obviously, we'll have 60,000 fewer people walking around, uh, but we expect we'll more than make up for that in TV view viewership. I don't want to get ahead of NBC on the numbers, but under all of the different modeling scenarios, there's a significant projected up uh, up. Uh, uh, up, up, bump up in uh, viewership due to the lack of things to watch on TV. To, to add somebody like Patrick Mahomes to the field this year, how excited are you, were you when you found that out? Well, you know, he's an amazing person. Obviously, he just broke all sorts of records, not only uh, on the field, but off the field in terms of his contract. He's such a grounded person, uh, good values, and to have him come out here and participate in our tournament is just a tremendous honor. Um, I spent some time talking to him this morning. He's been practicing hard for this. Uh, he's feeling pretty good and uh, he's eager to play. And I think for him actually not having fans the first year made it a little bit easier decision. So hopefully we can get him to come back when there's uh, another 60,000 people here next year. Anything else you want to add? No, just, you know, it's great to be here. Uh, thanks for taking the time to put us out. Um, I think it's going to be an amazing year. I think you're going to find the athletes game might be better than it was in previous years because, you know, I, I've talked to many of these over the years. You know, I talked to Patrick Mahomes this morning. I've talked to Romo in the past. And what they always tell me is the same thing, is that they're more nervous out here uh, playing golf in front of fans than they are playing uh, football in front of 70,000 people. So I think that should result in more competitive golf across the board. So you also got an opportunity to talk to Mark Mulder, the former MLB pitcher. So he was running this thing. He won it three years in a row before Tony Romo won the last two. Is he a little upset about that? What, what does he think about his odds of uh, knocking off the former Cowboys quarterback? I think he's here to, to play and win this thing. Uh, Mark Mulder is one of the most competitive people I've ever met. Uh, it's so funny talking to him as a three-time champion. He is kind of burning inside a little bit that he hasn't won this thing in a couple of years now. Uh, he talked about you know, with his kids, especially, you know, they've been here three years in a row as winners. And now they kind of start joking with like, hey, dad, how come uh, you're not getting that trophy on 18 this year? Uh, so he definitely is playing on it with a chip on his shoulder. Uh, like you said, we had a chance to catch up with him. He's so excited to be back. And, and he means business for sure when he's here down at Edgewood. Three-time champion. How does it feel just to be back here on the grounds? I know it's going to be such a different year, but I imagine you've been kind of dying for this. I, I have. No, no kidding. All the time spent at home cooped up I, I've been looking forward to this so is my family so it's uh it's something we're happy to be here course is incredible and I can't wait to get it going what's it been like just sitting around for the last couple of months uh, what have you been doing to keep busy uh, I've been playing a lot of golf uh, to be honest entirely too much golf because my 12 year old is now obsessed with golf and with him being home he wanted to play every morning especially in Arizona courses stayed open so we had plenty of time to to go out and do that even with the schoolwork before that ended. So um, it's been very different, 
but a lot of golf and just hanging with the family, which isn't always a bad thing. Do you feel like your golf game is in a better place than in years past because you've had a chance to play more? Like, how are you feeling about it? I, I feel good about it right now. It's the last two years I didn't give the performance I would have liked. Um, this course is easy to explain that, too, points-wise. You know, the years I wanted, I had low 80s, upper 70s. In the last couple of years, I've had 60s. I mean, Tony's won it with 70s, and that's what you need to win this tournament. So I need to play better. Um, I need to show up, which I haven't done the last two years, and uh, looking forward to it, especially with the way my game is right now. Are you feeling more motivated now that you've been a couple years removed from your three-peat? Oh, without a doubt. Because the, the every year I kind of put more pressure on myself. And it was me, not anyone else. And so once when Tony won two years ago, I, I played terrible. And I still finished second. So you're trying to look at the positives when you leave here going, okay, I, I played awful, I finished second. But you still finished second. It, that's not why I'm coming here. So um, there's always that motivation. You know, you always want something. You always need some sort of a chip on your shoulder to give you a little something extra. And losing these last two years has, has given me that. But in his defense, he played great. I didn't. And I need to play better. Describe the experience of playing golf here. Uh, it's very unique, I guess you could say. There's not many places in this country where you have mountains on one side and water on the other, especially with this setting. Um, and then it's already a destination with the fans. This year, obviously, it's going to be very different without the fans, which is extremely disappointing, but that's where we are right now. And that's the way it is going to, hopefully, just for this one year, we'll get through this, and hopefully next year we'll be back to the normal way of this tournament. What does this week mean for not only you, but your entire family? You usually have your kids here. They've been yep. there celebrating with you on 18 before. How much did they look forward to this week? It, they, they love it. I mean, their joke in the past was always like, where are we going? Oh, we're going to the place where you get that trophy on 18? You know, that was always the joke. Well, the last couple of years, that's been them giving me crap about it. As dad, uh, we haven't celebrated on 18. So I need to try to do a little better job. Hopefully this year, obviously, they won't be able to be with me if I'm able to win it. So it'll be a tad bit different, but that's okay. I, they're still here. We still have an incredible time the whole week that we're here, and I love it. For you not having any fans here, does that help your golf game at all? Does it hurt your golf game? Do you like the adrenaline? Does it not matter? I, I love the adrenaline. So I can't say that it's going to hurt me or help me. I just know that I love it. So that little bit of pressure of all those people standing around, of you having to make a tough chip or a, a big shot or a big putt, it's going to be disappointing that they're not here. But I don't think it's really going to affect it either, either way, to be honest. Um, the only thing is when you get to those last three or four holes, that adrenaline sure does help, I think. So this year, I don't know if they're going to be able to have boats up on the sand or people anchored out there, which I'm sure they will be. So I think you're still going to get a little bit of it. It's just not going to be the same. Is there anyone here that you think has probably played bad in the past because there's fans and they just don't deal well with it that might play better this year because of no fans? Um, maybe for the first couple days. But I think when you get down to that last day, Guys are still going to have the cameras. They're still going to feel that same uncomfortableness, I guess you could say. So I, I don't know if it's going to matter too much. Um, but the last day, I do think it will. I think there'll be something to it. But the first couple of days, I think you could very well see a few guys who maybe aren't usually on the leaderboard, maybe up there. All right, so we'll see how Mulder fares in this tournament. It kicks off Friday. It'll be a three-day tournament, as always. Uh, first round action on NBC Sports Network. And then the weekend coverage over on our sister station, News 4, KRNV. Uh, so it'll be an exciting weekend. A lot of people are excited to, to see some sports. And, uh, 
you know, you should see some really competitive golf. We talked about yesterday. I'm really curious, guys, to see how does this impact the golfers with no fans? And do you see maybe some guys play better uh, without the fans? Or maybe some guys that play really well with the fans and they don't have that adrenaline rush. And that was something uh, Mulder mentioned in his interview, you know, not having that uh, quite the same adrenaline coming down 16, 17, and 18. So it'll be a different uh, vibe and be fun, fun to cover for sure. Alex, before we let you go, uh, we got this news. And this, this kind of uh, – Nick Fizikas, former Nevada men's basketball star, who I call the GOAT of men's basketball at Nevada, has tested positive for COVID-19. Um, I mean, he, last time we talked to him, he was uh, playing beer pong with us. Uh, we'll get to you in a second, Chris. Alex, first, when, when you first heard, what, what were your thoughts? That's, that's really tough to hear. Uh, you know, it's a, a crazy time right now, and no one is, is kind of uh, not susceptible this whole deal certainly just just hope uh he stays in good health and and that he can fight this thing off and and not have to endure uh, what a lot of people have done and and uh this thing has really taken a lot of people down and but a lot of people have been able to get through it okay so you know hope nick is uh he's an athletic guy and and uh hopefully his body can can fight this off and him and his family stay healthy but anytime you hear somebody you know he, he's part of the family you know what i mean he's part of the Wolfpack family he's he's a guy that we're all close with and uh definitely wishing him a speedy recovery Chris, you did the write-up on this. There's more details on NevadaSportsNet.com. I was actually surprised that his team released this. Yeah, so it was released by his team back in Japan. Nick is currently in Arizona. He left uh, Japan to go to Arizona in April when uh, Japan's B-League season was canceled. And uh, he was just going through a workout on Saturday. Didn't feel great. Obviously, there's been a rash of cases uh, down in Arizona. So got himself a test and it came back and he was positive and it was released by the team that he was positive. Uh, you know, good thing is his family doesn't have any symptoms and they don't have any fevers. Um, so I'm sure he will quarantine himself until he's able to recover. But yeah, it just goes to show that, I mean, even if you take precautions, and I'm sure Nick was while trying to stay, uh, you know, as in, in, in as good a shape as possible as he gets ready for the Olympics next year, uh, you know, any, anybody's vulnerable to it. So, uh, you know, just another message to uh, do everything you can to take whatever precaution you can to stay safe. Uh, and that everybody, you know, could potentially get this thing. Uh, I'm sure Nick will be able to beat it, and he obviously has all of our thoughts and prayers uh, as he does come down with a positive case of COVID-19. Absolutely. We wish him a, a speedy recovery. He's one of our buddies, and and uh, hope that uh, hope he gets through this, and I'm, I'm sure that he will. He's a strong guy mentally and physically. We'll have much more coming up here on NSN Daily right after the break. into NSN Daily, Shannon Kelly and Chris Murray here, joined now by Nevada swimming and diving coach Brendan Bray. Brendan, thanks for joining the show here with us. Uh, just what have the last couple months been like for you, a whirlwind of emotions going on? Yeah, you know, kind of like everybody, it's been really up and down. You know, you think things are getting better, you're not sure, resurgence. Um, you know, we've been having semi-normal contact on with Zoom meetings just to update our team. Um, you know, not every every day. I, I think I heard football was meeting, you know, daily with their team. So we weren't, not to that extent, but we, you know, kind of passing information, trying to organize apartments. Um, you know, now that we're in June and they, they can voluntarily train, you know, we've been giving out little recommendations of workouts if they need help. So most, most everybody's back to, you know, training, uh, you know, mostly at home, um, you know, and back and trying to get back in shape. Uh, and, uh, you know, we're just really planning for a safe restart in September and hope to get everybody back 
safe and, and kind of continue on with our season. So um, recruiting has been different. Like, you know, we've been doing Zoom calls. Uh, I, I'm hearing there's talks of, at least in my sport, um, banning, you know, in-person recruiting until April. Um, I'm not sure if that's going to apply to every, you know, sport. But um, if that happens, uh, the idea there is they'd be saving some budget money, right, that could go to something else and then also help us um, maybe just focus on our team and the safety and then make our, you know, recruiting a little bit more virtual. So, yeah, just different times and just trying to roll with it. We had one of your swimmers, Caitlin McHugh, on. She was our athlete of the month two months ago, and she talked about getting back into the pool and feeling like a noodle and not remembering <laughs> how to swim to some degree. Uh, what have you tried to, you know, uh, I guess, give them advice and just trying to stay as uh, conditioned as possible yeah. in a very difficult time when a lot of pools were closed across the nation? Yeah, swimming's weird, right? Because you um, don't naturally do it on a day-to-day -day basis. So even, you know, I mean, I can still go on a run, you know, during the pandemic and I can walk around and my body's moving, but like in swimming, you got to have access to a pool. So there's all these funny social media videos of everybody doing crazy stuff. Swimming. Well, I swam in my hot tub for a social media uh, video too, but, um, you know, they got like these, uh, these ropes that are tied to a tree. They're swimming in place. You know, a lot of people are doing lake swimming and stuff like that. So, so, um, yeah, I, I can't speak for Caitlin, you know, I don't know how she felt getting in, but like, I could imagine feeling like a noodle and not feeling very good. And I don't know about you guys, it's easier to snack and kind of gain weight too during when you're at home all the time too. So I, I you know, I know that everyone's probably pretty eager to get back in shape and get fit. Yeah, I hear you on that coach. It is definitely easier to sit at home and just eat. <laughs> no, you gotta um, stop snacking, you know? Yeah, no, exactly. I'm with you on that one. <laughs> um, you guys were able to still compete in the Mountain West Championships, not able to compete in the NCAA Championships, though, this year. But what will you miss most about this past year's group? Yeah, um, we got pretty lucky. Um, I don't know if lucky is the right word, but we only graduated one person and she actually isn't graduating. She's, she has another year of school, so she's going to help us coach. That's Andresa, who is our top point scorer. So, you know, I've said this before, you know, I'm, it's, she's almost, you know, irreplaceable. I, I don't know if I expect to have somebody come in and, you know, replicate what she did, but we hope to replace it and, you know, be better by having multiple people pick up the slack and bring in, you know, a lot of people. And so we did have a little transition on our team, but we're expecting to bring in a lot more um, from transfers and other people joining us uh, than what we had uh, going out the door. So that's that's really exciting. Um, but yeah, it was it was sad that our divers didn't get a chance to qualify for the NCAA's, and um, we didn't compete in the NCAA's. We were lucky to have a season compared to those spring sports that you know they got it all cut. Um, so I'm gonna miss uh, I'm gonna miss last year, but um, in you know in a weird way I'm lucky. Like I'm Andres is with us next year. She's gonna coach with us. She's gonna you know spend her fifth year helping us on deck. So I, I'm not gonna miss her because she'll be with us. Us, you know which will be nice have you ever had a situation like this where I mean you'd only lose one senior obviously it's a very very talented senior yeah. um, but you basically bring back the whole team like in theory everybody should be better you guys should be better overall yeah. just because literally everybody comes back except for that one swimmer um yeah it is weird that's a good point Chris I I don't think I mean what was weird is that the Neil Harper before me forgot to recruit anybody when he was the coach so when I came in we we didn't have anybody literally and then when we we're looking to see who he recruited there wasn't anyone he recruited either so um you know we didn't have anyone that year and Andresa was somebody I recruited to come mid-year and be part of that class it's super unique I'm, I'm not sure that's ever happened anywhere um and uh i'll tell you what what's funny we actually as of this minute don't have any freshmen coming in next year because the people i have coming in are actually transfers 
Um, so we're not going to have a freshman class as of this minute. Now that could change, you know, and we you bring people in. But um, yeah, it's it's a weird, it's kind of a weird situation. It reminds me maybe a little bit of, I know Eric Musselman, when he came in, there was mostly just transfers. And I, I would assume the team was mostly built up of juniors and sophomores and seniors. Um, you know, we're going to be a pretty sophomore to senior heavy um, class, you know, the team next season. Talk about some of those transfers and what you expect out of them and you know what it was like just being able to only recruit them over zoom really um i'm guessing yeah. none of them were able to really see the campus in person yeah um well i'm trying to remember oh, okay yeah so we did announce this so i think i think i'm okay to talk publicly about it but um so we have one swimmer reese lamp uh, joining us from las vegas funny story so she she came in to visit us that week that, like the week things started getting kind of crazy and her flight went out on like the day that they like shut everything down, you know, for like no more recruiting, none of this. And so we snuck her in to visit like that day that, that everything shut down and she's from Las Vegas, knows the area. So it wasn't like she'd never been here, but it was nice to do that. Um, and then um, we, there was a, there's been a few programs cut and, you know, I uh, recently um, East Carolina was one of the, the schools that got cut in the East and we, we have somebody joining us from East Carolina and uh, she has not been on campus. So, you know, yes, it was a virtual tour. Um, and then there was somebody that was leaving uh, Louisville um, who I had recruited in the past, who's a very high end swimmer is going to, you know, we project to be second or third in the conference in the backstroke um, and she's going to join us. Um, so we, we, I mean, we've got a really talented group coming in. I mean, we have four people coming in that are going to uh, replace at least on paper, um, you know, and, and score, you know, a lot more than what we were losing. Um, so it's, it's, it's exciting for that. And it's been strange. You're right. Unfortunately, the cuts uh, came to the Mountain West. Boise State announced um, that they had to cut swimming and diving along with baseball. I mean, they've had one of the better programs in swimming and diving the last couple of years. I guess just what was your reaction to seeing one of your uh, counterparts in the Mountain West have to cut their program? Yeah, I'm, I'm really sad about it. Um, Boise State, and I, I messaged our team about this this morning, um, they really brought the best out of us. And I can say that, um, you know, our conference finished uh, a year ago where we got second, um, you know, and beat to beat them. Uh, huge motivation to do that. Um, our, our dual meet that we beat them in this year um, was, you know, a real highlight of our season. We focused, I mean, I was, almost, I was almost a little worried that we swam as well as we did. I was like, whoa, you know, this is like almost better than I expected. And so we, they got the best out of us. And um, I've known their program since they started. So they, uh, I might be a year off on this, but I think they started in 06, 07. And I was coaching at Washington and I saw their first meet when I was at their first meet and they had uh, kids that they literally pulled out of classrooms uh, to, to be at the, at the pool. And I was thinking, what is this program? Like these kids are, I don't even know if they've swam, you know, competitively and they were showing up at meets and it was just weird. I, I, I didn't know that's, you know, how you would start it, but they, they, they like started the program in August and they hired a good friend of mine, Kristen Hill, who is the assistant at Texas A&M, a you know, pretty big name. And she went up there and pulled 30 kids off campus and had a team. And then literally two or three years later, they won the WAC and won a couple of years. And I, you know, I'm, I was then at San Diego State in the Mountain West and we're kind of looking at the WAC results and we're like, this seems pretty good, you know, like, wow. So then they come into the Mountain West and we're thinking, you know, we had just won the Mountain West at San Diego State and then they're second. And then the next year, we literally go through three and a half days of this meet and we come down to the very last relay. And it was, uh, we had to beat uh, Boise State to win the meet. And I think they got 
second and we got third or something in this relay and we lost the, the Mountain West Championships on this last relay. So I just remember them being competitive, a lot of spirit and fire. My predecessor, I know Neil Harper was very competitive with Jeremy Kipp and we, we brought in the year before me when Nevada won the Mountain West, we brought in like five, uh, four divers at the semester and a swimmer. And um, that was a lot of bad blood, you know, with Boise State and there's, you know, Nevada won the championship and it, there's just always been, um, and, and I've had great relationships with those coaches, but there's always been a Nevada, I think Chris, you wrote about it one time, there's a Nevada you know, Boise State rivalry in football, but there has always been one in swimming and it's always been one that's gotten the best out of our um, team. So I am really sad to see them gone. I, it's not going to be the same. And, um, you know, it's just a sign of some of the times that we're in. And, and uh, I, I hope that we can preserve our, uh, our programs as much as we can. So I, uh, I, my heart goes out to the, all those, those student athletes there. Yeah, it is sad to see it and seeing more programs that are coming out and having to, you know, cut their sports, unfortunately. Yeah. Um, Coach, aside from swimming, really, what other hobbies have you been up to? Have you picked up anything new over the last few months at home? Well, I got to say, you guys have inspired me with all your, like, traveling documentation and going up to the lake. And, um, you know, we've done a little bit. Yeah, we've gone hiking. And um, I I've had just a great opportunity with my son to spend more time with him. And I can kind of mix in work and other things out there. Uh, I got to plug my wife. My wife is a dentist, and she uh, just purchased her first dental practice. So it's out in Sparks called Wild Creek Dental. So you got to come, you know, see her if you guys need a dentist. But that's been fun for her because the pandemic kind of actually created that opportunity and um, she's really excited to be out there so there's been a lot of you know it's kind of sometimes you you something bad happens and it gives you an opportunity to focus on other things and I've spent more time with my son and been able to hike and I've been you know blessed to, to be employed just like so many people that it, it's been tough on so um, it's been a been a kind of wild time but I'm just really hoping we can get our kids back safe onto our teams our student athletes back on campus our, our department's done a great job of having a safe plan um, and we hope that we can you know have an alternative kind of season but still a, a season that's meaningful to everybody awesome you yeah. guys turned lemon into lemonade yeah I, I <laughs> and we have a good team you know we have a great team they're motivated and uh you know we'll gosh see what we can do um just just so you guys know that we made some changes in the conference we uh they're, they're going to have our mountain west championships in las vegas at unlv um so they're trying to you know have some cost savings instead of you know the cadillac of pools at minnesota or texas a&m unlv is not a cadillac of pools but it's it's probably our best indoor facility for the conference to host a meet uh swimming doesn't like to be at altitude it is a little altitude it's like two thousand feet but we think that's kind of negligible uh but the sad thing this year is the diving is going to be up at air force because they're the only uh, a conference school with a tower so we're gonna have a split conference championship with um diving and swimming separate but then accumulating the points together Interesting. Yeah, that'll be a little different. I mean, you guys are so used to being together for all of your meets, most of them, and to have yeah. that split up will be be weird, but time will tell as we're a couple months away from September and you guys getting back in to the swing of things. So thank you for joining us here on yeah. NSN Daily. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having me, guys. We'll have more right after this quick break. It is Thursday. Usually mailbag is on a Wednesday, but we had some coverage. Yeah, the mailbag today, every Sunday, Chris opens up Murray's mailbag on Twitter at by Chris Murray and answers your questions. Dive right in because uh, we're chomping at the time right now. How about Brad Taylor asking, 
Uh, will Nevada ever see a third college play D1 athletics? If so, where would it be? Ten years ago, it was optimistic. It might be Nevada State, Chris, but now I'm not so much. Yeah, I mean, I don't see it. Potentially, it could happen. I mean, there just aren't a large enough population bases in certain cities. I mean, your third largest city outside of the Vegas area and Reno area is Carson City, and they do have, uh, you know, WNC, but I just don't see building a college 30 minutes away from uh, the University of Nevada. So there's been some people throwing out that Henderson might be able to move up and have its own Division I school. Uh, that, that might happen like 30, 40 years down the road. But I think the two Division I schools in the state of Nevada are more than enough uh, in terms of playing it at that level in an athletic way. I mean, obviously, academics, the more colleges you have, the better, just because more people get educated. But I think you're going to see basically a 2D1 system for as long as I'm around, at least. Shannon, growing up in Vegas, how was Nevada State viewed by people down there? You know, I have to be honest. I didn't really know where it was. I didn't know what school it was growing yeah. up. Um, actually, my sister is looking to transfer there um, in the spring and go to get her degree. But, yeah, I mean, it's just – it's a small school out in Henderson. I could see it, you know, someday having athletics and maybe being a Division two school, like Chris said, maybe, you know, 20 to 30 years even from now. But it's just too small. I think, you know, with UNLV and Nevada, those have always been the two staples of the Division one institutions in Nevada and I just I don't see it happening but I do see sports continuing to grow not only you know at TMCC but then if they bring it back at Western Nevada College having it at the junior college level and at a smaller level but not at the big division one level. Yeah I would really prefer to see a JUCO football program emerge here in northern Nevada and I know it's a pipe dream at this moment it's very expensive so many people want to have it for our local high school football players to maybe develop and then go to Nevada or where else but it's just, it's, it's too expensive. Uh, Chuck Black Sheep 900 writes in Lake House or Beach House? Shannon, you first. I have to go, this is, this was a tough one, but Beach House in New Jersey on the Jersey Shore. So Beach House on the Atlantic instead of the Pacific and, and then a Lake House. Um, I love Lake Tahoe. It's just, the beauty of it is unlike no other. So yeah, it's a tough one, but a Beach House on the East Coast um, and a Lake House in Tahoe. Chris, is Shannon crazy? I've, there are beaches beyond the East Coast. Have you been to Mexico? Have you been to Grand Cayman? Chris. She wants to be a Jersey girl. I'm fine with that. Uh, I'm more of a, uh, a lake house kind of guy. I mean, I like getting out there on the water with a boat, water skiing, jet skiing, that kind of stuff. I like the pine trees. The only problem is typically when you're around a lake house, you also have pretty harsh winters. So I think if push comes to shove, if we're fortunate enough as a Murray family to retire down the road and live on either a lake house or a beach house, we're probably going to end up at a beach house just because my wife will probably get final say as she deserves to. Um, but I don't think you can go wrong either way. I mean, if you're next to the water and you got a house right there, you know, you're, you're living very well. I prefer beach over lake beach, but I prefer lake house over beach lake house because you could get hit with a hurricane you're not going to get hit with a hurricane uh, likely on a lake house my parents are on a lake house in texas and i love being able to sit on my dock and fish off my dock it's 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 priceless uh finally guys this is pretty funny matt debray former co-employee of ours is a photog at uh, news Four. great guy i love matt um if there was a fourth of july hot dog eating contest between the nsn crew who would win and how many hot dogs would it take we had joey chestnut on the show in studio couldn't have been a nicer guy. I mean, Chris, is there really any question that Margs wouldn't win this whole thing? Well, I mean, I said Alex because I thought he would want me to say Alex. I feel pretty comfortable with myself. We actually used to do this when I was in college. We would call the 4th of July, quote unquote, propane night. So you had to eat as many hot dogs as you could, plus a full loaf of garlic bread in a certain amount of time. So it was me 
one of my friends who's now a lawyer up in the Seattle area, and uh, also my dog, and it would be the three of us. My dog would actually always win between the three of us, and then whoever lost had to do like five consecutive shots of fireball. So uh, I, I am a little bit trained in this field. I gave myself uh, 15 hot dogs in 10 minutes, and somebody on Twitter said there's no way I could do that. So maybe I was overestimating myself, but hopefully maybe July 4th next year, if we're all, all able to mingle again, uh, we can actually put it to the test and see who actually would win. Jenna? Yeah, I mean, uh, Chris, I think you'll be the underdog. You and Rez will be the underdogs in this one. Brian and Alex, I think you guys can keep up together. I definitely cannot no keep up any of this. I don't know if Jenna can either, but I mean, yeah, that that's a tough one. I think it would come down between Alex and Brian, you guys. I've Maybe traveled with Alex a dozen dogs, times. 20 hot dogs, no maybe chance like I can keep up with them. 20 minutes. <laughs> Yeah, like but I said, how many how many would Alex put down then? In in ten minutes, that's how they do it in the Nathan's contest. Joey Chestnut had seven. I think he could do fifteen. Yeah. I could think he could easily do that, fifteen to twenty. Yeah. Uh -huh. Fifteen to twenty. That's a good yeah. number, but still a lot of hot dogs. <laughs> if you want to participate in uh, Murray's mailbag, it comes out every single Sunday on Chris's Twitter feed. You can follow him at by Chris Murray on Twitter. Coming up next on NSN Daily, our finals in the GOAT Challenge. Was it Chris Alt or Marion Motley? We'll have the results next. Well, the GOAT Challenge is wrapped up. I'd want to say thank you to Chris Murray for uh, your diligent work on this and creating some great content for us and uh, the greatest of all time when it came to a 64-person field. And it could have been 120 people in this field easily. Came down to Chris Alt against Mary Motley. And Coach Alt won handily about 70% to 30%. Yeah, I mean, he really ran through the field. His closest one was uh, against Colin Kaepernick in the Elite Eight. He got 57% of the vote. I mean, very deserving. We've talked about his legacy at Nevada and the entire impact he's had on the Wolfpack. Uh, you know, he's a guy who's going to be remembered uh, by Northern Nevadans for a long, long time. I mean, he really did shape uh, the athletic side of the Wolfpack for 30, 40 years and uh, more than deserving of being named the greatest sports figure in Northern Nevada history. Shannon, when we started this, I think, well, months ago when we started kicking this thing off, I think Chris and I both said, Chris Holt's probably going to win this whole thing. It's really not a surprise. Yeah, it's really not. Just with everything that he's done and all of his accolades in the Nevada Athletic Department wouldn't be what it is today if it wasn't for him. Who knows what it might look like? Would Nevada still be, you know, a Division II school? You know, we don't know. But with what he was able to do, it's, it is impressive. And, yeah, I think – Maybe he'll get a statue there one day. I don't know. What, what position do you think he might look like in a statue? You know, it's probably going to be him. One, he's going to be wearing that old school Nevada cap and maybe the satin jacket. Okay. And he's going to be pumping a fist and yelling <laughs> at somebody. It's going to be that sort of thing. I don't see like the Bud Kilmer statue from, from Varsity Blues where the guy looks evil. But <laughs> it's going to be him pumping up and, 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 and rooting for his guys because Coach Alt lived and died with his players. And his players that – that you talk to, if you talk to like some of the old school guys, you talk to a Mike Edwards or a Mike Crawford, Deshaun Miles, they would go through a wall for him because he was such a great motivator. I'm sure there were times when they hated it because that's what a coach does. A coach makes you look at yourself and go, you need to be better. You can be better. And then you become better and you realize this person loves me and this person's just trying to make me, make me a better person. So uh, Chris Hall, our winner in the NSN inaugural GOAT Challenge. Coming up next, after the break, um, a bit of a Murray's mailbag leftover in bet or no bet, whether or not we think there will be a college or an NFL season this year. That's next. Nice. 
It is Thursday, and that means uh, bet or no bet. Uh, we throw out a topic and let people say yes or no, whether or not they think something is good, bad, or not going to happen, or what. And this time around, this is a uh, leftover mailbag question. The original question was, what's the percentage chance we believe that there will be a college or NFL season? Shannon and Chris, I'll let you guys say your percentage, but I'm going to say give me a yes or no. Do you think, one, will there be a college season? Will there be an NFL season? Chris? Uh, yeah, I'll bet on both. I do think that there's going to be a college season. I think I put it at 60% of a fall season, 30% of a spring season uh, in the article. Uh, I just think there's so much money at stake that they're going to find a way to make it happen. Really, it's going to be the SEC and the Big Ten dictating what everybody else does. And I think the SEC is going to play football. Now, is it going to be a full season? Just based on the last couple of weeks, I'm not optimistic about that. I think you'll see a delayed start, maybe an earlier finish. But you are going to see college football games in 2020. In terms of the NFL, 99% chance. I don't think the NFL cares about their uh, student, their athletes' health. If they did, uh, they would have taken the concussion situation more seriously. I think everyone's just kind of assuming the NFL is going to push forward no matter what. So, uh, yeah, I think we're going to see football this fall. Yeah, I mean – NFL team just spent half a billion dollars on one guy. I mean, come on. It's all about the money. Uh, Shannon, I mean, the thing that spooked me here is the Ivy League pushes its season back. Stanford, Stanford cancels, literally eliminates 11 sports. If Stanford can't survive, how does anybody survive? But what are your thoughts on this? Yeah, I think it's just such a weird situation how every day we're just seeing something else. Even just today, we saw the ACC conference pushing back their Olympic sports to have those delayed. Um, it's just weird. You know, I wasn't surprised, though, when the Ivy League did cancel their season uh, or move it and then possibly move football to the spring. I wasn't caught off guard by that at all. Um, but I do think there will be a college football season, 50% chance, 25% chance it's in the spring, and 25% chance it doesn't happen if the numbers keep spiking up. I mean, we just – I just don't see a way that we're going to be able to play sports safely. Now, as far as the NFL goes, you know, with the money involved, that is a different animal, really. You're talking about for paying these athletes, whereas with college, you have the TV deals, you have the TV rights, and how can an athletic department survive without college football? I mean, is this a year that we just don't see college sports at all? I don't know. It's it's a weird thing to think about. I do think it could happen, and I think as far as the college football scene goes, I could see, you know, teams saying, okay, here, this is what the conference is going to do. They're only going to play conference teams, no non-conference games, and have a delayed start. I could possibly see that happening. Just a thought there, too. Yeah, it's it's strange. It's unprecedented, and, you know, I, I, my thoughts change on it pretty much by the day. You know, when I see cases spiking all over the place and I see people on beaches congregating, I jump right back into Chris's camp and go, we don't deserve it. Do we deserve to have this? And then you look at countries around the globe that shut themselves down completely. And now they're really, they're, they're at full capacity once again, and they're going full bore. But uh, yeah, bet or no bet every single Thursday right here on NSN Daily. Some final thoughts. Women's basketball. One is a legacy on the men's side. One, a speedy guard on the women's side. I want to thank Brendan Bray for coming on the show. Also, you can check out our full ACC coverage on uh, NevadaSportsNet.com. And, of course, also over on our sister station, News 4, and then the second and third round, Saturday, Sunday, also going to be televised live on News 4 if you want to check it out. Um, Chris and Shannon, uh, Nick Davidson, a legacy uh, when it comes to Nevada men's basketball. Six-foot-eight forward Chris has committed to the Wolfpack. 
Yeah, he plays for Mater D down in Southern California, a very, very good school, top 25 school in the nation. His dad, Kirk, played basketball for Nevada from 1991 to 93, and his mom, uh, Kelly, uh, formerly Martin, uh, played volleyball for the team right in that same area. So a really cool story. He came on an official visit back in October, so somebody in Nevada had been targeting uh, for a long time. And, uh, you know, he's played with some really, really good players. So the stats aren't crazy. It's about nine points, about five rebounds a game. Um, but that's because he's playing with, like, several other high-class Division One players. So really good addition to the Wolfpack. Yeah, Shannon, to me, modern-day high school is a lot like the Bishop Gorman, if you want to compare it. Uh, that's the way it is, the way, they, the way that they're taking down in Southern California. He had offers from Cincinnati, GW, Georgia Tech, Hawaii, Oklahoma State, Pepperdine, San Diego, and UC Riverside. So a number of of, of varying uh, levels of offers. But uh, I like it. And I like, I like seeing a legacy guy show up. That's cool. Yeah, it is really cool. I mean, just being able to see that what his parents were able to do here and he can follow in their footsteps. But, you know, he said that Nevada checked all the boxes. He easily could have picked one of those other schools or stayed closer to home and went to Pepperdine. But to be able to do that, and like you mentioned before um, with Matter D, that's anytime you heard the name of that school, you knew that they were good. They would come in and they would play Bishop Foreman. I remember the name in high school and even in softball, they were good. You would, anytime you heard them, you knew they're their roster was stacked regardless of what sport it is. So yeah, maybe if he's not seeing as many minutes, but he's at that caliber of school and I think he's going to make a good impact. You know, Nevada's team is pretty young this year and they're going to be young next year too, but he'll be able to fit on in with coach Alford's squad. On the women's side, uh, Amanda Levins and uh, her team, uh, uh, some good news for them. They received a commitment from a, a guard out of Oklahoma and uh, Kaylee Borden. She's not a, a, a huge guard. She's only five, 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 but, um, I mean, four-year varsity at a team that went 26-1 and last year, 11-0 and in league play. Yeah, I mean, she's a state champion in the long jump, and she's a state championship or champion winner on the basketball side as well. Their team outscored opponents by 31 points per game. They've made the state tournament 12 of the last 13 seasons. So comes from a very good program, and she can really shoot the balls. So I think that's the biggest thing for Amanda Levins is uh, she's getting somebody who can knock down some threes. Yeah, some good news for a team that uh, really right now needs some good news. We you? Uh, did that full story on kind of the culture uh, with that program and how uh, Amanda Levins and her, her coaches and, and teammates or players are trying to, to fix what's going on with them. Uh, that'll do it for us here on NSN Daily. For Shannon Kelly, Chris Murray, and, of course, Anthony Resnick. I'm Brian Samudio. We'll see you next time.